Ivanovitch by the haughty look on his face when he was ordered in no polite terms to ready himself for inspection. He was pale, slight, hardly like a soldier. It is human nature to keep ourselves at a distance from most people, but every once in a while we come across someone who passes directly from the periphery to the center who strikes the core of us like a mallet setting a tuning fork to resonant agitation. This may or may not derive from any extraordinary qualities possessed by this person. It's an interplay of external and internal states. We must be receptive to the other to receive him. Which is to say, I identified with the boy immediately. I must have seemed equally unlikely traveling to the front so many years ago, a privileged brat, eager to fight the Reds, an Al-Azhar University dropout fresh off a backpacking tour with stops in Istanbul, Rome, Paris, Madrid, Amsterdam, wandering stoned loops around gray-spidered canals, I passed aimless hours in hostels and museums, train stations and bars and coffee houses and brothels, those that would serve an Arab. This shameful lark was financed with the last of father's fortune that he saw fit to allot me for tuition and expenses before realizing I was never going to finish school, was a basket case, a bad investment, and, like the shrewd banker he was, responsibly, with regret, and once and for all, he wrote me off. That winter, as I contemplated in poverty the wreck that had become of my young life, The Soviet 40th Army rumbled across the Afghan border like a deus ex machina, lifting me up and off stage. Exit. War. People who knew me were surprised by what I did. But in a broad sense, the move was in keeping with my personality. Joining the Mujahideen was, at first less a religious obligation and more like running away with the circus, only more daring, nobler, and with the added benefit of enraging father, who believed progress came not through violent resistance, but in the form of three-piece suits, Chopin etudes, quiet atheism, and extra dry martinis at the cocktail hour. Father was a man bent double from the weight of his polish. Two decades are more than enough to erase an identity, and for me they have, almost. The part of my life that the Yemeni recalled is closed off like a wing of rooms in a mansion whose upkeep has become too much for its insolvent owner. It was something in his young face that brought it back. What I was, before I was this. A kind of pomposity mingled with fear that told me he had never known hardship, not like these mountains could provide. But he wanted to know it. He had come here for that very reason, but was afraid. I inspected his baggage, ready to find any fault, to make an example of him in front of the other new ones. He carried two leather bags as rich as his coat, I rummaged through and found nothing blameworthy with the exception of a pair of Italian sunglasses and a Swiss army knife, both of which I confiscated. 
Your eyes will grow strong in the mountain sunlight. But not if you hide them like a woman, I said. And this? I held up the Swiss army knife mischievously. Why in God's name would you carry a weapon with the Crusader's cross to this place? Are you a Christian or just a fool? The boy pointed to my rifle. Didn't the Kufa make that, too? Abu Anas moved as if to strike him for his insolence, but I signaled that this was not necessary. You've put your finger on it, I said to the Yemeni. We're fighting our battles with our enemy's weapons. Maybe one day you will design us a better rifle. Until then, I'll keep this one handy. I hope that won't be a problem. The boy shook his head no. I noticed him continuing to admire the Kalashnikov.